0: What's up, folks? This is the Investor Weekly News Update for June 12th, 2023. We're going to be talking about a little bit what's happening with the economy as we await the Fed decision if they're going to keep rates where they're at or maybe do one last rate hike. We're going to be talking about where rents are going in multifamily and a little discussion on that big PGA-LIV merger that just happened over the past week. Here we go. Uh, First things first, we'll be meeting... A lot of you guys in San Diego, California, June 23rd to 25th. Prices go up later on this week. So please check out the website at simplepassivecashflow.com slash stateside for your chance to go. Um, and if you haven't, yet join our investor group simplepassivecashflow.com slash club and some of you guys had signed up for the stateside retreat and was wondering when we were going to get back to you but the truth is we need to have you guys complete that onboarding call with myself so we can know who the heck you are out there (laughs) because that's just the organization that i run everybody knows each other and no random strangers this is not most i think events or conferences out there where everybody is allowed to come if you have a heart we I think that's what's made a lot of our events very successful and why kind of people continuously come back again and again but yeah let's get back into this so this article is talking about despite headwinds in the economy job openings continue to rise as the higher Job opening count for April increases the chance for another rate hike, despite some speculation that May was the end of the tightening. What happens week to week shouldn't really impact what the Fed does per se, um, but it unfortunately what is happening is ma- the Fed needs to manage public perceptions. So if we all forgot, it wasn't too long ago, but all the SVB bank failures that kind of happened about a month or a couple months ago, actually, that was happening. It's known as more of an isolated incident, not really systemic, but that was happening amidst of Fed increasing rates. And they had to manage that public perception. People, the general unsophisticated public thinking that the banking system is going to collapse. And of course, the media is pushing that because that's sensationalizing news headlines and everything. The Fed still continued to raise through that. And this is much, much smaller. Economy is still ticking along. GDP positive growth, job opening still rising, which is a good thing for the economy. And I think that is also gives ammo for the Fed to increase rates more. Obviously, for our real estate investors, increasing interest rates does not help us. So we'd like to see this go the other way. But this is just as we start as we wait. This big decision that's coming up this next week, what the Fed's gonna do with hopefully the last rate increases, or maybe they're done. They're gonna pause it right where they're at. These are, I just wanted to keep people aware of these, what's been happening in the news. Obviously, as I've learned, you're not gonna see rising unemployment before the rate hikes are done. You're going to see unemployment happen maybe a quarter to two like behind when the rates are stabilized around where they're at right now. So expecting job openings to not be rising is not the right way to see. And I made the mistake because I was like, the Fed will probably hold rates or know when it's about ending, when they start to see the unemployment start to tick up or these job opening rates start to stay neutral. But as I've learned recently, that's not the case, as that leg is much, much more than to the system. If I think now, I'm more on the side and the belief that if you start to see these job openings neutral or decrease, that means the Fed has probably overcorrected. And to take a word from Peter Lineman, who we'll have on the podcast very shortly here, that's the same as course correcting the other way, getting over your skis on the other on the ice the other way, and which that means the Fed would uh, increase the rates too much and damage the system, which we don't know if that's the case yet. But if you started to see the job growth lower at this point, that would be an indication of that. But at this point, we don't know. We don't know. Um, Zillow reports that mortgage rates edge higher on stronger than expected employment growth, kind of echoing the last article. Unemployment rate edge up from 37 7- to 3.4 last month, annual growth in annual hourly earnings slightly eased from 4.3 in May to 4.4 in April. What this means, the U.S. economy is still on solid ground. A resilient labor market is supporting consumer spending. On one hand, a strong labor market is good for home buying activity. On the other hand, if wage growth and core inflation remain stubbornly high, Mortgage rates could remain elevated along with the potential for more federal rate hikes. And it's something I learned recently from Peter Linneman is the Fed, their only lever is increasing interest rates. And they see it as if they can damage the create damage on unemployment, that is the way to impact inflation. Which I guess he mentioned it more of an academic setting. That correlation Although true, right? If you poked yourself with a needle a thousand times, you'd probably bleed out and die at that point. But in terms of damaging the creating unemployment on purpose to lower inflation, is not really the way you want to do it. But I think the Fed is lost. And I'm honestly lost in a way of how else would you lower the inflation otherwise than to purposely go after and create unemployment, which seems counterintuitive, right? But that's the foresight and the the benevolent mandate of the Fed, if you believe that narrative, that they're trying to at least take the highs off the highs of the economy to most importantly, keep the lows out of the low of the economy and keep things in the middle there. The article continues to say, however, the labor market is less tight and rent inflation, which tends to be most responsive to labor market tightness is falling so again just a reminder if you guys haven't joined the club please get access to a lot of our free e-courses a lot of the e-courses are free in the portal right now because we're getting ready to move over to a new learn management system at that point a lot of these e-courses like the remote rental e-course etc will be locked so get in there now join simplepass slash club to get access to a lot of that now Now, let's get into Yardi Matrix reports, the man still firm, multifamily rents rise in May. And I think there was some discussion over the last quarter of 2022 and Q1 of this year that there was a little bit of neutrality in the rent increases. Part of that was just really unsustainable growth from a nationwide outlook from 2020 post-pandemic through 2022 you guys recall just to use one sub market or one market, like Phoenix jumped up 20 something percent in one year. Normally we'll underwrite two to 3% in a lot of these markets, maybe 3% in Phoenix. But yeah, that was just unsustainable growth. I guess my theory and a lot of other economic groups theory is like from 2022, late 2022 to January of 2023, you saw a lot of that slack kind of leave the system. But still amazing how it barely decreased, and if anything, was very neutral. I think now you're starting to see, as the data starts to come out a quarter later, because there's always a lag in the reporting, that Phoenix had maybe a 2% rent increase drop in that time period, but now we're starting to see it go up at this point. I think is a great chart. If you guys check this out on the YouTube channel, we have all the charts and graphics for you guys here. But yeah, May 2023, you're starting to see that uptick start to happen again. And hopefully, I always like, I don't like to see the huge increases in rents. To me, I always know it's coupled with some kind of neutrality or decrease. But I like this just really slow climb of like just pacing with inflation. And I think I'm in alignment with what the Fed kind of wants to. Apartments.com report for the first time since the third quarter 2021 vacancy rates did not Increase holding steady at 6.7%. And the month over month data suggested the beginning of the possible stabilization across the multifamily sector with positive rent growth in 38 out of the top 40 markets. Of April multifamily's findings boost the likelihood that the sector's fundamentals will stop weakening at the second quarter, will finish stronger than a year ago, setting up the potential for quarter overall to outperform expectations. However, there are still possible risks to be mindful of, including the economy falling into recession into the second half of 2023, demanding drying up and the significant number of deliveries expected throughout the year. But as I was as I just got wrapped up with a call with Peter Lineman, he urges this people to just think, invest in things where the fundamentals behind it are strong, where you'll you know, invest for the five10 year horizon. And maybe part of that is experience, right? When you go through market cycles again and again, you take into account what happened this past week with job openings rising this week and the rent increases or decreases in some markets for a quarter. Now, that kind of is the ups and the micro ups and downs. But the long term, people need a place to live, especially in these growing secondary markets and especially in the lower middle class workforce housing sector. So this, I put in this article here, because this happens a lot of time. So this is talking about a joint venture, a group acquired 150 million sea park apartment complex on Coney Island in New York. These are, I probably call like workforce housing or lower. Some people call these the projects in New York. But this is just an example of large institutions kind of trading these assets to another larger institution, private equity company. The Sea Park apartments comprises of 816 apartments across three buildings. 589 are available to households earning at below 60% of the area medium. And again, this is where I mentioned, I think these types of apartments get the stigma of projects. And these were a bit of an experiment the nation went through around like the Prior to 1960, 1980, where they would just cluster all the poor people in one area. Obviously, that creates other issues. It was probably uh, motivated by people, the idea of people not in my own backyard, right? People in nice areas don't want to have these types of eyesores in the community. I think after the 1980s, people the government and kind of politics got into their senses that you needed to sporadically pour out the lower middle class or even the lower end demographics amongst the suburban areas, amongst not the best areas, obviously, because they're always going to fight hard for not in my backyard, but the middle kind of wrong. And that's what the type of assets we target. We want to have some of the, maybe the lower end stuff, class B stuff, in a maybe B plus type of area, or or certainly like how we look to create new workforce housing in nicer areas. But this is an example of kind of what was the government experiment prior that doesn't work. And then also, I wanted to show this as an example of large institutions, they trade these assets because they're great institutional assets for them, and how they're looking at building their portfolio with these very stable assets. Personally, I you know I don't really like to go into assets that serve the government, subsidize the lower end, like the Class D and Class C type of clientele much more these days. But again, I wanted to just bring this to attention. Again, this happens all the time, but I just wanted to highlight this to just speak to it. And that kind of parlays us into the, if you guys saw the PGA Tour have been Battling with this new Saudi-backed LIV—I don't know what they call it—LIV or Live Golf Tournament—but they got a lot of guys like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson to defect to Live Golf, and they paid them a boatload of money to do it. So for maybe about a year or two, there were like these two two separate golf tournaments going on. I don't know all the politics, but apparently not a lot of the players were super thrilled about some of the practices that the PGA Tour was doing. And they definitely had a monopoly and they pushed their power around, and which kind of pissed off a lot of the golfers, which you know, ultimately, along with a huge bag of cash, why a lot of them left to the live golf. But what I read through it was that the Saudis don't have the best reputation for human rights. And they were having trouble getting the golf tournaments televised, naturally televised. So that was always a big hurdle for them. And then the PJ Tour was losing their grip on their monopoly. The meeting of the minds came where now there's a merger between these two large mega entities. And that's why it shows you this is happening all the time where you have private equity companies or even larger private equity companies trading assets or merging or doing various things that goes outside of, I think, what a lot of us as retail investors envision. They see maybe somebody selling an office complex and some people think, oh, it's time to sell office, right? Some big players doing it, but what they don't realize is within the big storm of all assets being traded there's a bigger kind of undertone and more strategic strategy within each company that's happening I actually think that at some point in my lifetime Apple and Disney will merge because culturally they have a very similar very similar mindset and they are also politically affiliated more with the left too don't know if that really matters but from like a vision standpoint they are much aligned in the innovation and pushing boundaries and apple released their vision the goggles the vr ar headset and disney mentioned wow this would be a great way to for us to tell our stories better so it makes sense and especially for those two to be huge conglomerates first of all i don't know how that doesn't violate a lot of anti-competition laws but It seems to be, I would probably put my bet that would be happening. A lot of this is, unfortunately, the rich are getting richer, then bigger companies are getting bigger and creating more monopolies. And it's just harder and harder for the little guy like us to get any type of entrepreneurial type of side business or side investing thing going. As we talked the last week, how more and more institutions are getting into buying little single family homes and pushing out the little landlord. Um, probably within my lifetime, we'll probably say grandma and grandpa used to buy rental properties. That's impossible these days. It's just, they're all institutionally owned. I don't know if I'd ever get to that point, but it's definitely moving in that trend. And this is the reason why, right? Follow what the smart money does and they strategically guide towards the long-term, the five to 10 year time horizon. And this is the huge difference. And this is what I try and really educate on is like the difference between the way institutional investors invest. They may go into floating rate deals but use the data of the forward curve to make the best predictions and back it up in case things go wrong with more capital, which they have access to, which unfortunately the retail investor does not. And also the retail investor does not have the sophistication and the risk tolerance of that of institutions, which is ultimately why I think most retail investors out there just stick to the stock market and traditional investments. but. As I've always said for a lot of investors, and I think why people join our group, get educated, listen to podcasts, which is always a good start, right? As you guys know, listening to podcasts gets old after a while, but meeting up with other like-minded investors coming to San Diego, coming to our Hawaii retreat, I think is a great first step to putting in a little bit of work. And with a little bit of work, my belief is that you can invest similarly to a private equity firm and a much more sophisticated institution cut out the middlemen and still find this little sweet spot in a shrinking opportunity for small investors who are not yet on the family office scale. But with that, thanks for listening, folks. Please, if you like this content, please give us a YouTube comment or a review on iTunes. That really helps us out, grow the network. And of course, if you guys haven't yet, Check out my book that we released back in 2022, The Journey to Simple of Simple Passive Cashflow. So I'm currently working on the next installment. We'll be calling it The Wealth elevated, So you'll be seeing a rebrand of all the content moving forward under that brand. But yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.